Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning. It's Sunday. If it's Sunday, it's Hardline. Can we use that? No, we got to come up with something a little more original. How's everyone doing on this sunny Sunday morning? It is Hardline with Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy back here with you. Brenda, good morning. The B team is back, Joe. I'm live from the BBC, the Brenda Broadcast Center. Joe's in our studios at WBEN. I'm home in Williamsville. And what a glorious weather day, Joe, for the last day of June. Absolutely beautiful weather. And hard to believe it's the last Sunday, I should say, in June. Because uh, during the beginnings of the pandemic, it felt like time was just dragging. And now it's, uh, it's a different feeling, but it feels like it's going by rather quickly. So great to have everybody on board and always a good day to talk politics. Yeah, it, it, it does seem like things are now quickly approaching when last month it took forever. You know, it, it, it seems that we were that the uh, NY27 being moved would feel like it was a year between April and June. And the special election uh, came right up on us. Uh, you know, I woke up Tuesday thinking, wow, today's the special election? You know, it seems like just yesterday they delayed it. Right. And, you know, next week it's Fourth of July weekend. So yeah, time is flying by in these rather uh, uncertain days that we're living in. Uh, but we'll get into that a little later and what's happening with uh, the pandemic. But uh, great show on tap, Joe. As you know, in just a moment, we'll talk with State Republican Chairman Nick Langworthy. And then in the 11 o'clock hour, we'll talk with Erie County Democratic Chairman Jeremy Zellner. Yes, and uh, it was a busy week for both, so let's get right to it. Geo, uh, New York GOP Chairman Nick Langworthy joining us this morning on Hardline. Nick, good morning. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Nick, I'm doing well. How are you this morning? I'm doing very well. It's been a beautiful day, and I think everybody uh, in, in the community can agree it's kind of nice to have New York 27 in the rearview mirror. <laughs> that is for sure. Well, for a few months at least. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think this one's in the rearview mirror for a long time to come. Nick, let me ask you, uh, just to kick things right off, you know, you had the uh, the Chris Jacobs sweep on Tuesday. We heard you talking with David Bellavia. Uh, four months from now, we have another replay of that election, Chris, ja- Chris Jacobs and Nate McMurray. Uh, this is probably a simple answer, but what's your outlook for the uh, for the rematch? Um, it, it's It's going to... You know, it's only going to be a real, you know, heavy-duty contest in Nate McMurray's mind. Um, I don't really understand the way he's behaving right now. He got beat so badly, so very badly. 
uh, on Tuesday, you think that he would just be gracious in defeat and, and, and walk away. I mean, Chris Jacobs has always performed very well with people of all party affiliations. So these absentee ballots, I mean, they might gain a little bit, but it's not going to be much. And, um, you know, this temper tantrum about counting the votes, when you get beat 70-30 on election night, um, you know, usually you're pretty humbled, but I'm not quite sure where this guy's coming from. The, the general election, um, you know, this was his shot. I mean, th- th- this seat, if you go back in time, uh, has really only been competitive uh, in an extraordinary circumstance, like when Chris Collins was running as an indicted, you know, disgraced congressman, or when it's in a special election, like we had back, uh, you know, after. Um, you know, the Chris Lee situation. But, you know, with this is far less competitive in the general election, given the normal dynamics of voter turnout, the presidential election. Yeah, he really doesn't have a leg to stand on in his argument here. So, you know, it, it's it's going to come and go. Chris Jacobs is going to be a respectable, honest, decent congressman that you know represents all the citizens and taxpayers of New York's 27th district and all the counties. And uh, his his support is only going to grow. Nick, good morning. Great to have you on board with us. Uh, question for you about the president's support of Chris Jacobs. Do you think it made a significant difference, or do you think the win would have been uh, just as decisive for Chris uh, in this election? Um, I mean, it's certainly. Ex- I mean, the, the president was extraordinarily helpful here. This was. I mean, what what can't be lost on people is how unorthodox this election was. I mean, let's, let's kind of recap what we've been through. You had, obviously, the resignation uh, last fall. You had a schedule, a scheduling of election first on presidential primary day, which was going to be in April, then a pandemic. Okay. Then fast forward, you know, as, as we have a, a, a nominating process uh, in February, you know, Jacobs is the nominee. Then we have cancellation of the special election, and it's fast-forwarded to June. Uh, you have a primary and a special election on the same day. You have, you know, candidates throwing 11th-hour, you know, arrows at them, just full of lies and deceit, and, you know, trying to manipulate the district attorney's office, someone doing something. I've never even seen something so scummy is that move that we saw at the 11th hour in that primary. I mean, th- this has been a very, very strange situation. And the voters, I mean, you know, they pulled it off very nicely, and the election officials certainly did. But this was very confusing, on top of the fact that half of the electorate was going to vote by mail. Uh, and it, I'm just very pleased that there's a decisive uh, tone already. It's it's over. You know, they will count the votes. They'll go into the official uh, results, but uh, this has been really confusing. The president, when he gets into something, he goes all the way, and he, uh, you know, supported Chris Jacobs very early, uh, you know, in February, and uh, that was never in doubt. I mean, there some of the candidates in the primary tried to, you know, parse words and and, and say, well, it's a, a conditional endorsement. It was always an unconditional endorsement. The president speaks in a loud voice and. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a little secret that uh, had we not had this pandemic, uh, April 27th in the, uh, would have been a very large rally in downtown Buffalo. Uh, that was already in the works. Uh, but obviously, circumstances uh, of the pandemic changed that. But 
you know, that was the uh, on the list of the what ifs uh, if we had gone through the coronavirus situation. Well, that's an interesting little tidbit. I'm glad you mentioned that to us, Nick. Um, You mentioned about the the last minute attacks on Chris Jacobs. And uh, according to reports, it was Beth Perilato who uh, created that problem with him about the voting in Orchard Park and whether his residence was there and all of that in time for him to vote. Uh, how do you characterize her performance and also Stefan Mihailus? I, I, I mean, I'm not going to relitigate all every aspect of this race. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, is primaries are divisive things. Uh, the fact that, you know, Chris had to withstand the primary while standing as a candidate for the Congress uh, on the same day just shows, you know, that he's double tough. Um, because he, he was unflappable in that race. I mean, you saw Nate McMurray try to act like a lunatic on stage in that debate and try to rattle Chris, and he just stood in the pocket and kept his composure. And I, I think that's a good sign for the voters here, that you have you have someone that's not going to get rattled, that's not going to fly off the handle. I mean, we have enough volatility in our politics. Having someone with a firm hand, um, that is going to steady the ship uh, for this district is really what it's just what the doctor ordered. Um, you know, I, I believe what Dennis Vaco said. He, he he met with the district attorney's office that you know Beth Parlato and her team filed this uh, this complaint. Um, I, I think it, it obviously came with a report from a private investigator uh, within hours of uh, that story breaking. You had a television ad at the stations conveniently on a Friday afternoon when it could not be pulled. Uh, th- that television ad was live on, you know, the way that the ad buying works for both your radio and all radio stations and television is you can't pull the stuff down for Friday because no one's at the office. So it you can't really rectify that until Monday or Tuesday. And at that point, we couldn't answer back, um, you know, no matter how, egregious the lies were and I've I've just never seen someone try to uh, manipulate the district attorney's office I mean you know the the ethics really stand to question and and, and honestly if that is her she really ought to be ashamed of herself Nick let me ask you about that November election because that is going to feature uh, as we mentioned Chris Jacobs Nate McMurray and Beth Parlato running on the conservative ticket but I, I have a question and this is obviously your opinion uh, but if you were the chairman of the Democrat party would you be looking for maybe a different candidate other than Nate McMurray seeing that he is 0 and 2 in this race you, you can't I mean, the candidates we have now are the candidates that you're going to have on the ballot. Our petition process was in the month of March and April. So they had no choice uh, but to stick with Nate uh, because they had to uh, roll the dice that he theoretically could be the congressman at that point. So they couldn't run a different candidate on their petition. Um, I suppose if he's an attorney, he could drop out. But I I mean, I don't hear anything out of his mouth that makes it sound like he's going to drop out of any race. Uh, you know, it's a, um, you know, he is, he is absolutely, um, you know, stoic in the fact that he thinks somehow he's going to win this special election. I don't really understand anything that he's up to. Uh, but, you know, I don't believe this race will be one that the local Democrats or the national Democrats, for that matter, uh, target in any way, shape or form. This, this, you know, New York 27 is 
uh, a dark red district and all the national rankings on it will be it will be a solid uh, Republican seat uh, for the November elections. Uh, Nick, last week on Hardline, we had Rob Ort on the show, and he talked about uh, his victory leading the Senate minority now uh, and his being the voice of the opposition. How significant is it to you that he was able to pull this off? Well, Rob uh, brings a new generation of leadership. We had a town hall meeting this week with uh, Republican supporters from uh, around the state to talk about his vision for the Senate conference. Uh, And the Senate Republican conference is really uh, some of the worst things that happened in 2018, the, the, the devastating loss of the state Senate majority, which we had had for years, in the fashion in which we lost it to lose nine seats in one year, uh, was most of the reason why I ran for state chairman, because I saw a party that wasn't reacting to something that cataclysmic. And uh, so I am, I am very um, – I'm thrilled, honestly, that someone with the energy and the enthusiasm – that Rob is going to bring to the table will be there as a partner to work with to try to recapture those targeted seats around the state. There's an awful lot of them. Um, you know, unfortunately, we've got a lot of retirements as well. So, uh, you know, he and I uh, have already been comparing notes and, and he's hit the ground running and, and it's going to be uh, uh, a tall order ahead. I mean, I've known Rob for many years and, and uh, he's he's you know, very driven, you know, to succeed. And I think he's going to do a great job. Nick, let me ask you about the reopening of New York state and the phase system that seems to be changing uh, every day. What open, what's opening and what's not. Uh, My first question, just generally, how do you think that is going for not only Western New York, but for the entire state? And how do you think it could have maybe been addressed better? I, I think that the phase system is working, um, but consistency is key to everything. Uh, and, and that's what's really missing is consistency from Andrew, uh, from Andrew Cuomo. He keeps changing the game as we go. And, and that's not fair to businesses. That's not fair to a lot of people. Um, is, is they, they continue to move forward. I mean, I see the, the big argument this week is gyms and malls. Well, why are you less safe in the mall than you would be in Target or Walmart? I'm, I'm sure everybody listening here has either been to Home Depot, Lowe's, or Target, or Walmart in this, you know, in this last several weeks. They're packed. The, the, you drive around and look at the shopping centers. You know, there's clearly massive demand and people are out and about. Uh, let retail open, but put the same rules in front of all retail. That was the uh, the general uh, opinion on Friday. We talked about the reopening and how at last minute, I mean, even less than a week, the malls were pulled from phase four. And, and just a follow up, where do you think the communication between leaders from Albany to the local districts? Because it seems like, you know, you'll have a local leader say one thing. The lieutenant governor say one thing, and then the governor say a third completely different thing. For, for me, it looks like a lack of communication. I wonder how you see that. Well, what you have is you have a local leader trying to do their job. Uh, I give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that we could do a postmortem when this is all over on failures of, of, of local elected officials. But then the dictator decides something different and just says it to the public. That's the problem. We have to strip these dictatorial powers from this governor. We should be to the stage of this. Uh, we flatten the curve. The numbers are down. The numbers are down to, to incredibly low levels. 
compared to what's going on in the other parts of the country. It's time to let local elected officials make good, sound decisions based on what they're hearing from people on the ground. No more dictation from, you know, the king in Albany. It is time for the state legislature to go back to work to strip these powers and have a representative democracy again. Because, you know, in, in many cases, there are businesses that will never come back. I mean, if, you're, if you own a small gym and your members haven't been able to go there four months, guess what? Those people have figured out how to work out in other ways. You know, if you're a, a small mom-and-pop boutique shop, unless you have a flourishing online presence, you're out of business. And there's only so many loans or creative solutions from the SBA and others that can keep people afloat. Those are temporary, you know, life preservers, not something that's going to, to, to continue to, to keep the economy buttressed in perpetuity. So the governor needs to get out of the way, you know, obviously important safety measures, but he's picking and choosing. He's picking winners and losers, and the logic makes no sense. The Galleria Mall is just as safe as Target. Uh, you know, and in, in fact, it's less dense than than Target or you know Walmart or any of the other places that have been open during this entire pandemic. I mean, that's what makes that is what's insulting to the voters. I mean, when there's 50 people in line outside of Home Depot, uh, how safe is that compared to going to the Galleria? You know, Nick, there are so many aspects to this pandemic, and there's a lot of controversy, of course, about mask wearing. And I just read a a poll that was conducted by HuffPost and YouGov in May where it said 62% overall say a mask is a matter of public health, but 51% of Republicans agree with that. Curious, do you wear a mask? Do you encourage people to wear a mask? When when I go into any store... I say wear a mask. If I'm socially distant, I don't wear a mask. I mean, it's it's. I I, I do not feel that it's an intrusion. Um, we have to, you know, this we have to take it seriously. There's a, an awful lot of people that have lost. You know, says it's it's not a threat. I think it's a, a lower threat today here in our community than it has been. Uh, but you know, I also uh, in my role as state chairman talk to people all over New York, and and I know. Many people that had the virus. I know many people that had loved ones that uh, didn't make it. So there's um, there is that that is, uh, has to linger. You know, there could be a second wave. I'm not. You know, uh, I, I don't know what to think in terms of the experts because they change their mind a lot too. But I think that wearing a mask in the public place where we can't be socially distant is a responsible action. So do you, what do you think of those who, who sort of make it up, you know, a thing about liberty and it's a principle that they, they want to uphold, that it's their right not to wear it? It's become a political statement for some people. How do you respond to that when you hear people say that? I, I, I don't really respond to it. I mean, I, I know what I do for me and my family. I mean, if you really want to go risk it, I mean, I, I think the safest thing to do is to wear the mask. It's the most, I think, respectful thing when you're in a, a public place or a restaurant or, or somewhere uh, to do it. It, it. It's a precaution. Hopefully we get to a point where we have a vaccine and none of us have to do this anymore. Um, I, it, it is an annoyance, but I, I think there are many things about liberties that have been infringed upon. Uh, I don't I don't find the mask wearing. I mean, we don't have in this state a mandate that we wear a mask every time we leave the house. I know the city of Los Angeles tried to do that no matter who you're around or what you do. If you leave your domicile, you must mask. I think that's an infringement on liberty to go into a public place 
to, you know, interact with, you know, store owners or other customers, I think that is just uh, a public safety protocol. So. Nick, if there isn't an outbreak again in the fall, might there be a, a visit a rescheduled by the president or somebody from the White House uh, for Chris Jacobs in November prior to the election? I, I don't believe that uh, this seat will be one of those. They really have to spend that precious time in those swing states. We do remember we got a presidential election coming. So uh, New York really not on the board of a swing state. Um, there are other seats in New York that I think would be a higher target priority. You know, New York 22, which is Claudia Tenney running against Anthony Brindisi or, or New York 11, Staten Island. I mean, there's many others, you know, some seats on Long Island that I think would be more likely to have a, a, a rally or a visit if, if things clear up. Well, Nick, thank you so much for uh, the time on this Sunday morning. And I'm sure as we get closer to Election Day, we'll be talking to you again. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm very, um, very happy to be back and I'd love to come back anytime. All right. Sounds great. New York uh, Republican Chair Nick Langworthy joining us. Jeremy Zellner will be joining us at 11. And Brenda, before we go to a break, I just want to ask, you know, we talked about retail a little bit in that call. Did you see my video from Bath and Body Works at the Southgate Plaza yesterday? Not only did I see it, Joe, I was watching it and thinking, when will it end? I could not believe how long your video was, which indicated how long the line was. Yeah, that was really something to see. You know, I saw, I, I didn't see too many. Now, if I would have actually gotten out of my car and in that line, I think I would have taken advantage of Paula's Donuts being in the same plaza. I probably would have gotten my donut and then waited in the Bath and Body Works line. Now, we know how huge those donuts are, but I think you could have even finished that donut by the time you got to the top of the line. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hey, like Nick said, it's great to see places open. I, I, I hope there's a way they can reopen the mall soon because, you know, there, there's so many retail stores in there that are only, you know, their money-making time is certain months. And a lot of them, they depend on summer event clothing or, as I call it, summer shopping. Uh, so hopefully there's a way they can safely do that because you see the stores like TJ Maxx and Bath & Body Works and all these other ones that have opened. The first few days they're open, the lines are wrapped around the uh, shopping center. So it's good to see people spending money again, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and it's good to just be out and do something that's considered normal. And, you know, I have friends who work in the fitness industry, and my heart just breaks for them. There's no end in sight for that. I know you've done a lot of shows on that, and I really hope that they can start to open, too. They've taken uh, the necessary precautions. They've complied with the safety recommendations. And as Nick was saying about, like, the Galleria, for instance, a lot of these places don't have that dense shoulder-to-shoulder kind of crowd. So why not let them open? Exactly. Um, We can certainly talk about that, but uh, definitely on board with that as well. I think that's something we'll talk about after the news with Alan Harris. It's Hardline here on News Radio 930. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast wben welcome back to hardline here on news radio 930 wben joe beamer and brenda alacy with you just heard from New York State Republican Chairman Nick Langworthy. Coming up next hour, we'll be talking to Jeremy Zellner. But, you know, Brenda, we uh, hit on it right before the news. The retail situation has been a big talking point this week as we are two days away from going into phase four. But still, no guidance for malls, gyms, and movie theaters. And that's got people talking. It sure does, and uh, I miss those those very uh, places, um, and I certainly hope that we'll get some guidance about what's going to happen next. By the way, Joe, do you wear a, a custom mask, or do you like to wear a more basic mask? It, it, well, it depends if I remember my custom mask. I am I, I'm not a, I'm a very forgetful person, and you can probably guess that by listening to me. When I'm in the middle of talking sometimes, I'll forget where I stopped talking. Uh, I'm very forgetful. So I have one of those basic masks in the car. So I'm, I, I don't have to go back home to get a mask. Uh, but I also have some custom ones. I've got a Buffalo one. I actually matched it with my outfit when I went to the uh, grocery store on Wednesday. <laughs> Color-coordinated masks. That's right. I think we should do a hardline mask. You and I could wear those. At least two of them. I like uh, Yeah, I, th- I think it should be uh, only for the host. And we, it, it would be there a promotion, go. and it would be a way to stay safe. That's right. I actually like the, um, the no-frills one, um, the, the kind that you would see you know, when you watch a, a hospital drama or when you walk into a hospital and you see medical personnel wearing those very basic blue lighter masks. I have a couple of uh, custom ones. In fact, um, Big Four Northeast Cleaners is giving out masks to veterans. So they gave one to my husband. He's a Navy veteran, and it has stars and stripes on it. It's a great-looking mask. So, uh, And I also received a mask when I went there. So uh, those are great. They're, they're a little heavier, though. So in the warmer weather, I prefer the lighter masks. But it's nice to have options. Yep. And as you notice, now, you know, with this new world we're living in, it seems like every car that drives by has a couple of masks hanging from the rearview window. Yeah. Or, excuse me, the rearview mirror. I've noticed that as well. You know, uh, with baseball season coming back in, in July, 
I'm going to have to get a Mets mask, right? I mean, obviously. You've got college football, I think, will still happen. So I've got to get a Virginia Tech mask. And I think we should have a few Bills masks for the season. You know, when all this is said and done, Brenda, when we finally uh, are back to normal, when there's a vaccine, and 2020 is in the history books, which will be one interesting chapter in the history books, we will all have our collection of masks to look back at. That's for sure. It's almost like, uh, you know, the souvenir of this crazy, crazy year known as 2020. Um, I want to go back to um, the race with Chris Jacobs and Nate McMurray for a moment, Joe. And I'm wondering, you know, what our listeners think about whether Nate McMurray was just too over the top in that debate uh, that was on Channel 4 between he and Jacobs. You know, he kept interrupting him. He was yelling. Uh, I wonder if they had turned voters off because I was surprised at how poorly he ended up doing. Now, McMurray says in order to, uh, McMurray would need to win all the Democratic absentee votes, all the independent absentee votes, plus 2,000 more Republican absentee votes in order to pull off a last-minute upset. And those results won't be known until July 1st and probably not done until July 7th. So it's really interesting to see how this will shake out. But I think that maybe... Uh, my opinion was that Nate was overly aggressive, and Nick Langworthy mentioned that uh, Chris Jacobs stayed in the pocket. I love the football analogy and kept his cool. So do you think that, Joe, could have contributed to um, what appears to be a lopsided win for Chris Jacobs? Well, and this is something we, we talked about, I think, a lot leading up to this election, Brenda. Not only was it in that uh, debate, but... Nate McMurray, in my opinion, and we like Nate. I like Nate the person. You know, he's always open to coming on the show. Uh, same with Chris Jacobs. The, every time we've asked him to come on Hardline, they, they come on. They're, they're always on the station, and we obviously like that. But Nate ran a very different campaign this time around than he did against Chris Collins. And I think that hurt him more than help him. And all you have to do is look at those poll numbers. Yeah, it certainly appears that way. And I think, too, with uh, Beth Parlato taking such an aggressive stance and filing that uh, complaint against Jacobs, that that may have hurt her down the road, too. It makes you wonder if that was, you know, here we are. We're going to throw everything that we have at this campaign. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, uh, too bad. Because it, it might be the end of the road for her, I think, if it's just uh, that kind of aggressive approach. It did not sell in NY27. No, not at all. And, um, you know, like I was asking uh, Nick Langworthy, obviously too late to change the candidate for November. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how fundraising for NY27 on the Democrat side goes, since it is pretty much the same campaign, the same election. And there's really not much of a, rec a record to run on or run against. That's going to be one of my questions for Jeremy Zellner. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I'm sure Jeremy will have some thoughts on that. And what are your thoughts? 803-0930. The phone lines are open. And as always, the text board is open as well. 716-803-0930. And Joe and I are happy to take your calls. Uh, okay, I see that uh, Joe is, uh, as we mentioned, I'm working from home. Joe's at the station, and he is uh, jumping on the phones right now. So uh, it'll be um, uh, questions that we'll have for Democratic Chairman Jeremy Zellner. He'll join us at just after the 11 o'clock news, and I expect to hear his take on whether Nate McMurray has a shot or whether at this point uh, the writing is on the wall for him uh, with Chris Jacobs' decisive win uh, on that special election. And we'll talk to um, Jeremy Zellner about some other issues uh, as we talk about the blue state that we live in 
And uh, Cuomo, Governor Cuomo was on Meet the Press this morning, and we can have uh, some comments set up shortly for that as well. But I'd like to know what Jeremy Zellner thinks about uh, whether Cuomo's popularity now will have an impact on uh, going forward, whether he'll be able to maintain that popularity or whether there are so many people who, as Nick Langworthy mentioned, are fed up with him <laughs> and just uh, feel like he's a dictator more than a governor. Well, uh, so we'll see what he has to say about that as well. Brenda, the way I see this is, and you know, Nick put it, uh, put it, did a great job of explaining it. But when you have three different leaders. Of in the state saying three different things, it, it does come across as if the communication is not there, right? One, you know, we've seen numerous times now where either the lieutenant governor or the county executive will say, hey, this is going to happen here or this won't happen here. And then the governor on the same day say the complete opposite. And again, I'm not blaming anyone. It just seems like there is a lack of communication uh, from Albany to the different regions of the state. Well, Joe, you know, and that's exactly why people who think politicians can never be trusted or believed, it, it just plays into that line of thinking. Uh, if you're going to say one thing and then either not say anything the next day or your lieutenant governor says something completely contrary, it does make you wonder if they're all on the same page or if they know what they're doing. So I think in this case, less is more. You know, if you don't have anything to say, don't say it. I know people are chomping at the bit to get back to some degree of normalcy, but to, you know, we have cross purposes and contradictions just makes the situation worse, in my opinion. Exactly. 803-0930. Let's go over to Rochester and talk to John. John, good morning. Hey, Joe. Hey, Brenda. Morning, John. Welcome. Hey, uh, yeah, you know, I was really shocked at the results of the McMurray-Jacobs uh, outcome, although I know it's not completely settled yet. But uh, I really thought Nate McMurray could have pulled an upset, especially when Beth Parlato came in uh, with that uh, campaign ad about the uh, uh, residency thing. Uh, but I'll tell you, I saw the debate on replay, and uh, Nate McMurray looked like a wacko. He really did. I, I mean, <laughs> that was self-destruction right there. So from that standpoint, I think uh, it, it, I, I guess I'm not as much surprised at the outcome of uh, being that, that I think it ended up 70-30 at this point. Right. Yeah. At this point, yes. The, uh, the other thing I wanted to comment on was uh, the uh, COVID Chinese virus increases in other areas of the country. Uh, you know, I, I look at it a little bit differently, and I, we've talked about it before herd immunity. Uh, when I see the increase in COVID uh, cases, to me, I think it's a good thing because we need to have herd immunity. This thing is not going to go away. Uh, to a lot of people, this is like the common cold. I think 90% of the people, it's, it's like a common cold. My mom's in assisted living and, uh, in the town of Tonawanda, actually, and uh, they have strict uh, visitor. In fact, they don't allow any visitors. Uh, they have strict policy uh, with their staff. Uh, they're tested frequently, and there's not been one case of COVID with the residents. There has been some cases uh, with uh, some of the staff, but, you know, in all these months, not one case. So what I think has to be done is they've got to lift the grips off 
the uh, shutdowns and allow the population to get herd immunity as long as the fragile and the people susceptible to uh, a serious health issue are are kind of uh, put put aside, uh, protected. Uh, otherwise, this thing's going to stick around for ages, and it's going to be self-destruction to our economy. I just think we need to embrace uh, the higher cases of it, the pe- the the young people that are getting it, uh, they're not affected. Uh, there's hardly any symptoms. So we need to get the herd immunity. What are your thoughts? Well, John, this is something uh, we talked about Friday because you're right. You see cases are up in different states, but not so much hospitalizations. And uh, the good thing is the death number is not is not uh, has not increased. Uh, you don't see more deaths a day than you were seeing a month ago in certain those states that see the increased cases. But I agree with you to a point, and here's the thing. I think we need to look at these shutdowns, and if you want to start backtracking, it should be backtracking on those who this poses the biggest risk for, for those in the high-risk category, for the elderly. I think there needs to be some kind of quarantine or kind of restrictions on people interacting with the high-risk groups. But you're right. We can't just shut down forever. You know, we flatten the curve. That's what this was all about. We were told this was to flatten the hospitalization curve. Well, we did that and we're still being held back to the point now. I wonder if we're counting cases instead of hospitalizations. Are we going to now switch the narrative and say, hey, we can't reopen these things until cases are down? Because common sense is going to tell you if you reopen there are going to be an increase in cases as long as we can make sure that those increases and that those that are going out and putting themselves at risk are younger, healthier people that can defeat this virus. Well, look at what's happening in Florida, Texas, Arizona. I mean, Florida is now closing down their bars, no alcohol being served. People are are not being smart about this, and that's what's making it worse for everybody because there is going to be more, there are going to be more cases. There is going to be a bigger outbreak. Put on a mask. Put on a mask. What's the big deal? I agree with that, too. I just don't understand, Joe and John, why people can't simply wear a mask. And it isn't necessarily to protect yourself, but to protect somebody who may be vulnerable. As you point out rightly, Joe, it is mostly elderly people, people who have um, comorbidities that are at risk. So I definitely think that we can continue to be smart about this so that we can reopen and try to have you know, some of our life back. I, I just don't get it why people don't want to wear masks. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I will, I mean, you said it perfectly, Brenda. You know, I'd rather wear a mask than a ventilator. But if wearing a mask, Amen. if wearing a mask means I can go back to somewhat normal life, I understand the mask wouldn't be completely normal. But if more things can open, if the economy can get flowing again, and all I have to do is wear a mask when I'm out in public, I will gladly do it. I was in Lake Placid last weekend. We wore a mask when we went into the shops. Uh, When you walk into a bar or a restaurant, you wear the mask until you're seated. If that's all it takes to limit the spread and, you know, get the hospitalizations, keep them down, and uh, more of the state can reopen, I will gladly wear that mask. And you know what, Brenda? I will get a collection with all of my sports teams on it. I will start getting Seinfeld masks if I have to. I, uh, have, have fun with it. But if, if that's all it takes to limit the spread, to keep us a little safer, and again, to get this economy back to where it was, I, will glad, I am gladly wearing that mask, and I will keep doing it as long as I have to. 
And somebody just texted in about my comment about it's not easy to wear a mask. Uh, apparently this person has asthma. Uh, listen, I, I respect that and I appreciate how difficult it must be. But it concerns me for somebody who does have asthma because they are at higher risk um, to try to wear it if you can just to protect yourself. It, it's not easy, folks. I mean, I don't take this lightly and I know it's very difficult for some people because of underlying conditions or other issues. Uh, so I definitely, you know, empathize with you about that. Are there alternatives? I don't know. Maybe there's a different type of mask for somebody who already has breathing problems. But imagine how difficult it would be to breathe if you ended up with COVID-19. So, Joe, certainly no easy answers, and you can't paint everybody with the same brush. Right. I get that. But for people who can wear a mask, you know, put it on. And I don't like it, Joe, honestly. No. Thank God I don't have any breathing problems. But... As soon as I get back in my car, I whip that thing off, too. I, I don't particularly <laughs> like wearing a mask, but no, not at I'll, all. Do it, I'll do it as long as I can do it and hopefully not infect anybody else or pass it on to a loved one who may be in a more vulnerable population. And I'm interested, you know, uh, Under Armour has come out with a mask. They say it's easier to work out wearing this Under Armour mask, and they are sold out till August. Uh, but when that's back in, uh, when that's back on the market, I definitely will buy one of those, because I'm interested to see how much easier in one of those masks is, uh, how they've how Under Armour has come up with this breathable, uh, workout-able mask. So that'll be interesting to see. But no, obviously it's an inconvenience uh, for everybody. But again, I look at the economy. That's that's what I like to look at. And if it means that we can get businesses open, people can get back to work, then I gladly will go through that uncomfortable mask I have to throw on. You know, you mentioned about Under Armour, and if they're sold out, then you can be sure that I, I think Folks like Nike, Adidas, and other major sporting goods manufacturers will come forward with a similar type of product. Uh, I just uh, read yesterday about how Nike had a huge layoff, so maybe this will be a way to, to you know, bring people back onto the uh, payroll and put forth some of these new masks that people are going to need. This is not going to go away anytime soon, it seems, Joe. So, all the more reason to try to, you know, adapt the best way you can. And in fact, somebody points out a great. Uh, here on the tax board. If you can't wear a mask, how about just wearing a face shield? Maybe that would be easier. At least it would give you some level of protection. Exactly. Hey, when we come back, we are going to talk to Jeremy Zellner. If you're on hold, we will get to calls after Jeremy here on Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. News with Alan is next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.